This is 16 to 1, a podcast about education, teaching, and learning. Wipe the dust off of this thing. Wow. Yeah, it's been a few weeks and it feels it feels like it's been It has truly been the longest four weeks. It's been of probably my life. It's been it feels like it's been forever. What have we been up to? I'm gonna let you start. Well, I was up to getting COVID. Mm Mm-hmm. I got it. Mm, You probably had it when we recorded this. Probably. The last episode. You did. Well, I thought that. Because we talked about getting boosters, right? Yeah. And I thought that I was having vaccine side effects from the booster. Turns out I was yeah. actually... I actually got the vid. It was the vid. It was the Not thing. via the booster. Huh? Not because you got the booster. No, that's not how that works. I just want that to be very clear. Yeah, no, that's not how that works. I got I got the vid from someone else. So but Chelsea, yeah, so that was fun. Up and got the vid. I got really mad because I couldn't taste anything for a week, so I didn't want to eat food at all because that's the worst everything is mush nothing is delicious it's very sad you had a pretty mild case yeah other than the not tasting and smelling not really that big of a deal for me body aches for a couple days but it wasn't it was so mild that we never thought it was anything other than vaccine vaccine side effects which is a good thing yep so yep that was a long couple of weeks Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. past Um, that now we're past that Mm mm-hmm I managed to not get COVID. Yeah, through that. Congratulations! Shocking. Here we are. We've played a lot, a lot of a Ugh. video game we called played, New, New World. Yeah, a lot of that. Amazon Studios came out with a MMO called New World, and it's pretty we've been good. Playing a lot of that with our friends. I have some um, thoughts. If Amazon wants to contact me, I'd be happy <laughs> to share some. Put opinions. on your game developer shoes. Yeah, I'll just okay. throw those old puppies on. Yeah um what else oh and a bit of pod news we we booked our first guest we did upcoming in just a few episodes actually yeah yeah so we're gonna have our very first guest episode soon episode 50 we the plan is to have episode 50 be a guest episode barring any catastrophe Mm -hmm. we'll probably tell you what that's about next episode just to give us a chance to confirm everything yep but Um, new year i am very excited for this guest Mm mm-hmm they are one of my favorite people endlessly entertaining it's going to be very funny so i think it's gonna be kind of a fun episode for sure yeah, i'm excited I'm looking for forward it. to it um what else we had thanksgiving yeah that was good thanksgiving we took the week off of the podcast we're gonna take another week off for christmas just to give the the teacher on the pod a bit of a break i needed this to rest and recharge i kind of forget how much work this podcast is it is it's until i'm like oh my gosh it's that week and then it's not and i was like oh okay yeah yeah maybe we should take a spring break (laughs) maybe we should um i'm not above it okay anyways um we took thanksgiving break we're here this episode we're gone what would be the next episode Mm -hmm. and we'll be back in the new year that's where we are. Yep. So what are we talking about this this episode? We're talking about the disappearing internet. When you described this, I was like, mm. I um described it when I was very tired. You were okay. just you were when I was telling you what I wanted to do this episode about, you were like, What? I'm like, the vanishing web. Yeah, it was it's vanishing. It was very vague. The internet. It's but going also away. Broad. 
Well, yeah. When somebody says the and internet so, is disappearing, um, it's a big thing. It's a big thing. To it, talk it sure is. You just sort of looked at me like, what? I was just kind of like, mostly I wanted to give you a minute to figure out what you had said. Because I was like, did she mean this? Well, it's something I've been thinking about in my brain for a long time, but that doesn't necessarily translate to coherent a coherent pitch well, to my it's co-host. it's also something I've quite literally never thought about. So really, you've never thought about this. You've never uh, okay. Never pondered the existential identity of the internet, not in the way that you do. Okay, well, hold on. Let's just uh, let's set this up a little bit because we're drawing this out a bit. But ta- let's talk about what the heck we mean. Can you read the first um, thing exactly as you've written it? We here at sixteen to one are big fans of a free and open internet. That was my pharmaceutical company advertisement voice. I'm actually. I kind of want to punch you. We here at 16 to 1 are big fans. Okay. Anyway. Oh, you should do that. I should do that. Yep. If anybody needs a voice voiceover artist. Of just a normal white person. <laughs> uh, I'm uh, open. I'm open to gigs. Anyway. So. AstraZeneca. Uh, <laughs> side effects. Maybe. Death. Death. And. Decay. Weird words that never go away. <laughs> If you made me tell you right now what AstraZeneca uh, treats. Skin scales. Couldn't even tell you. So anyway, yes, we are uh, big fans of a free and open internet. Mm-hmm. I, uh, It's one of my... So I'm told. My favorite crusades. <laughs> um, I've even... I have a note in here about how I've even recently complained to uh, one of our senators about mm-hmm. a free and open internet. I was Who complaining sort of about, replied. Yeah, he sort of replied. He's like, yeah, that's nice. We'll keep it in mind. But it was better. Oh, I thought than, it was a little bit more engaging. Well, than they that. said it. So the Cleveland office this is Sherrod Brown, one of the senators in yeah. Ohio. I, We're I sent, mostly fans of Sherrod. I, I, there's been a huge issue with internet connectivity at our house that we pay for. It just doesn't work. And to try to get the internet that I pay for restored, you're not going to say their name. Spectrum. Okay. Charter Communications. Don't give them airtime. Spectrum is okay. the name of it. Um, we don't like them. They're bad. They're bad. They're a bad company. Um, they're bad. They're bad. They're bad. It's just bad. <laughs> so anyway, it wasn't working and I complained and I had to complain so much and this went on for months and months and months and I was very mad. And Can I add one thing? Yeah. One day I came home and there were five Spectrum vehicles yeah. surrounding our house. I thought that we had got swatted by Spectrum. Right. I'm really good at complaining. I was like, they took Chelsea away. I'm very good at complaining at corporations when they're not doing a good job, which is most of the time. But yeah, I, I complained so much that I had my own personal SWAT team of Spectrum folks. So they showed up. They finally, we think they finally might have fixed the problem. But it made me so mad. And I had, I made like two FTC complaints because they're just a terrible also, company. the like answer to what was happening made me more mad than anything else. Well, I'm not really sure that they did know what the problem was in the end. I bet a squirrel chewed through something. I think it was a node-related issue to, that serves the whole neighborhood. They also claimed that perhaps a rogue modem on the network, meaning like a That kind of sounds so exciting. An unauthorized modem was causing a utilization rogue. issue, was what okay. the letter said to me. But anyway... Just sounds, it sounds really, not, really intense. It, it does, but I, I got so mad at Spectrum because it was just wasted so much of my time, and I was paying for a service I wasn't getting. I, I And we need it. We need it, you and there's work no competition. For there's no other option. I have no other provider of high-speed internet access that I could choose even if I wanted to here. Because it's for some reason, we're cool with monopolies. I don't know why, but apparently we are. We're not supposed to be, but turns out in practice we are. So anyway, I wrote to Sherrod Brown. I was polite, but I described my problems, and I was like, can we do anything about this? And also, can we care about making sure that there's competition in internet service markets 
and that there aren't these huge monopolies and also by the way maybe revisit net neutrality but that's that's a whole kind of other issue but anyway i wrote to him so yeah i like that you threw that in yeah i just was like oh by the way bring back net neutrality but anyway a lot of my life happens online so this is a big i'm a web developer by by day when i'm not podcasting about education i'm developing interwebs so it's something that i do think a lot about as it turns out you probably just don't have as much reason I, to, to worry about this stuff. I, I don't. I'm going to be honest with you. I really don't. Until, like, my Target website gets taken down, well, I'm that's not going to be... Probably at some point, this is going to affect you, and it's going to affect everyone listening to this. Mm-hmm. Like, guess what? Someday this podcast is no longer going to be able to be found on the internet. Because How dare it's you? Just, yeah, I know. 16 to 1 is not immortal, as it turns out. So because so much of our lives happen online, we need to start paying attention to the digital record and how those things persist or how they are erased. Because we have documents, books, images, videos, music, conversations, articles, journalistic endeavors, everything, everything is online. And a lot of that stuff can disappear in the blink of an eye. Museums and libraries have done the work of, of archiving human history up to now uh, and research institutions and... Now we have this problem of what do we do with this incredibly ephemeral technology that is just, it's constantly, it's, you can't even look at it because it's, it's changed by the time you go to, to go to glance at any one corner of the internet. Yeah. And and like, there have been some recent pretty big in the news examples of the disappearing internet. So like May 4th of this year, Yahoo Answers went offline. How dare they? Yeah. On Yahoo Answers went offline on Star Wars Day. I I never really was a big user of Yahoo Answers, but I know a lot of people who were big fans of it because they just made me laugh. Yeah, they were so funny. They were very funny responses, but it was people kind of trying to crowdsource advice or answers to questions from the internet. So, I mean, BuzzFeed used to like put together a list that was like, sure, the twenty funniest, you know, Yahoo Yahoo Answers results. Right, right. I mean, like, some of the best YouTube meme videos mm-hmm. come from those answers. Yep. Like, the Am I Pregnant video, that's where that came from. Yeah. Yep. I only discovered that a couple of weeks ago. Oh, I had not so heard good. of this. But that's what I mean. That's, like, you know. That's exactly the kind of platform that we're talking about. And it lasted for 16 years. And then Verizon Media Group bought Yahoo. Ugh, I'm mad at them right now, too. Yeah. Well, they, Actually. <laughs> they bought Yahoo and then... It just got shut down and it's just not there anymore. They gave users a chance to download their own data and like posts and images and stuff. Really? But then it was just gone. Oh, um, that's so sad. Yeah. I mean, there are other big examples of this. I mean, I put Zanga here because it's just like this hilarious. Is this like, like a blogging platform that existed when we were in middle school and high school kind of? Middle school for sure. And they just shut it down and all of my middle school like emo ramblings about how you yeah. have any friends mm-hmm. disappeared in the yeah. blink of an eye. I was going through it on Zanga. Apple recently phased out support for 32-bit software applications, mm. which means that just, you're just unless the developer was even alive to update it or was still around or felt like putting in the effort unless all of those things were true any software that you used to be able to use on apple platforms simply ceased functioning with an operating system update so just like a huge chunk of software became so not like when apple music accidentally put the u2 album on everyone's phones overnight uh no, that that's that's kind of the opposite problem. That's like content that you really don't. I know want to have. it was just reminding me of another botch. Exactly, <laughs> that's all. MySpace 
<laughs> this happened a while ago, but MySpace Aww, accidentally deleted. Tom. Yeah, MySpace Tom. Him personally, he did it. MySpace accidentally deleted 12 years worth of music and other content, like video and images and everything, in a botched server migration. They did not Heck. mean to. It just evaporated really um gawker got bought out of existence by an angry billionaire because they wrote an article about him that he didn't like and so a bunch of articles started disappearing oh my goodness. and then certain archival Censorship. yeah certain archival entities started trying to focus on making sure gawker articles didn't disappear after that it was kind of interesting that is interesting but, and then even you know it's my it's like my it's part of my daily job is to replace old parts of yeah. the internet with new parts of the internet because people are like hey i need a new website and i'm like okay that doesn't always mean you delete everything and start from scratch but it exists in a new way yeah and there's so it does change usually not that much of an archive or a record of what it looked like before it really? just changes and that's the way. yeah unless someone is just screenshot like unless the owner screenshotted it or something when you built it yeah i mean yeah uh, we'll talk a little bit farther on about the internet archive their whole reason for being well one of their whole reasons for being is basically to take snapshots in time of yeah. publicly accessible websites right but i mean for the web sorry for the websites you've created mm-hmm. they might only exist if the person you created them for happened to screenshot them well what i'm saying is the websites that i work on could be archived by the internet archive oh i see yeah i yeah. got you so that's the kind of thing that they do but cool. yeah content, you're famous content comes and goes somebody deletes something it just goes poof for forever well, on top of that, there are a lot of other reasons for that happening other than just like people like you making new websites, but also yeah. because people are starting to use parts of the internet that aren't open and free necessarily. Yeah. Internet based technologies that are actually closed ecosystems. So we use Discord a lot. Um, you use Slack. I'm actually going to use Teams for the first time Microsoft this Teams. week. Yeah. But a lot of these places are closed from just i guess free open opportunities for people because you need to be mm-hmm. normally invited to in discord right a server or a channel or something like right, that right it's like a siloed bit of knowledge so discord you just you can't search on google for something that happened a discord, in a discord server yeah, okay yep so what is discord yeah we picked discord as an example because we both use it a lot and like it as an application we use it daily yeah actually i would say um so discord if you don't know is a voip didn't know what that stood for voice over ip yeah yeah um but it also does instant messaging and then digital distribution so you can do voice calls, video calls, text messages. You can send pictures, videos in private chats or even in bigger groups of people or communities, which are called servers. You can access these chat rooms and these channels in servers via invite links most of the time. Or also you you can go through Discord and just go searching for some that will show up. But as I was reading about it, it said that as of 2021, there they had over 350 million registered users. And in a month, they have over 150 million people who use it. Active users, yeah. Yes. So like I said, some servers do require an invite. Others you can just join. But they give you access to all types of people. Chelsea and I got, I guess, started using Discord partially because we were playing video games. And it's an easy way for us to communicate out of a video game while we're just on our computer. But also because we watch a lot of streamers. And they would do things in their Discords that we wanted to see mm-hmm. or chat or whatever. And then just kind of the uh, the icing on top of the cake is that Chelsea's got a pretty large friend group in Maryland, and they all use it. Mm-hmm. And so it is, 
I, that's one of my favorite things about Discord is that that's how we get so much of our Maryland people. Right. And we can get in big group chats, like seven and eight of us at a time talking mm-hmm. and just hanging out. And so I'm generally team Discord because I think it's given us some really cool opportunities yeah. to stay in touch with people that, you know, for parts of the year, we're not as likely to be around physically. But it's also, I just think it's a pretty user-friendly yeah. option. I think it's pretty right. simple. Discord and software. It's pretty like clear. It. Like clean, I think. Yeah. Is the word I was looking for. I think it gives, I think the advantages of things like this, it gives people a lot of moderation tools and you can customize it kind of to your own community's yeah. uses. In a lot of ways, they can be more collegial stand-ins for social media. So like, if I, see, I don't even want, like, there's no part of me that wants to spend time really on social media for the social part of social media really? <laughs> which is not anymore i mean it just feels like a giant advertisement I just at all times so much instagram that you don't really consume in the way that i do but yeah no but i mean even half of my instagram feed and more than half is promoted content so it's like not even the original purpose of instagram to connect with you know my friends or people that i want to follow the photos they were sharing right it doesn't happen because it's just like add 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 maybe one post from a friend add yeah i don't feel that inundated on instagram that's interesting well i feel that way about most social media so the reason you might want to move to something like discord is to eliminate that online life is they're not i mean it's still a company so they're still there's still money making involved in this whole proposition and discord owns the servers so it's not like you set up your own private server that, yeah. that's sitting in some some computer in your basement that your friends connect to or something like that. It's yeah. not like that, but it's kind of the next best, best thing for people who are maybe tired of yeah, I agree. Facebook and Twitter and yeah. those kinds of platforms. It um, is a neat place. You can yeah. find some really great communities on The it. reason why you might want to use services like this, uh, maybe not for all things all the time, but like, you know, other reasons, big, big centralized internet companies think facebook twitter uh, those kinds of companies they exercise extraordinary control over content even if they pretend mm-hmm. like they don't so there are just like basically billions of people who are beholden to the whims and content policies uh, of yeah. whoever is in charge at silicon valley you know mm-hmm. um another reason you might i mean discord you still run the risk here but like if there's a place that you like to hang out on the internet that's either unprofitable or not profitable profitable enough to justify the cost of maintaining it. it people just shut them down yeah. that's i mean that was the like, yahoo answers it was just like well it's not really worth it to us to maintain this anymore so poof goes 16 yeah. years worth of or however many years worth of yeah and that's my concern about our new favorite game is that they're they're playing yeah the size yeah. of the community playing i have has, a whole section about yeah. video game preservation later on because it's the same thing we've talked about we're playing this game and investing a lot of hours into playing it with our friends it's mostly because it's a a way to hang out with friends that are uh, mm-hmm. physically distant from us but we're kind of worried it might just evaporate if it's not popular enough because they can do that they could just yeah. pull the plug and if they, they will want to. yeah and i think the other thing is like people are a little bit tired of being the product um that's yeah. what i was just talking about with like facebook and instagram i feel like obviously since those are not services that you have to pay to use that means you are the product mm-hmm. you the end user you're, you're being bought and sold yeah your data your advertising you know it's it's about advertising to you really and uh that is one thing i like about discord but there are some problems with closed environments like this yeah so for discard discord and these other things like you use slack i'm not familiar with slack but yeah you use slack for work Mm -hmm. but i know you and plenty of others who use it or team you know whatever the case might be 
there are some problems with this that have come up. And so one of them is that there's no record of conversations that have happened that could help others learn. So like you've talked before how you've joined servers on Discord for certain types of work, right? Like you're looking for mm-hmm. answers about whatever you're yeah, working Yeah, developer on. communities around certain technologies where people can go and ask questions about things. There are a lot. There are more of those popping up now than it used to be. All that stuff would happen in forums, mm. um, which you can, you know, obviously, again, you can do just go do a Google search and get yeah. a bunch of results from Stack Overflow or for, from wherever about this programming question. But mm-hmm. now, with these closed, gated communities, that's becoming more difficult. That easily, yeah. I mean, you could go join the server, yeah, but the server maintainer might get tired of the server someday and just shut it down it's without, little, yeah, saving that. I got you. Yep. So. Um, in the case of Discord, since that's what, like I said, we're most familiar with. It's not all good. It was found that after the Charlottesville riot, that that group of men had used Discord to oh, plan January 6th, too, I think. And something. the January 6th, and they also shut down a server after that because they found that a specific server had directly led to the planning of it. Yeah. And so Discord has really gone through some growing pains in its short little life of what is and isn't allowed on their platform. Other things that they have problem with are things like porn that can pop up and be used as a bot or just bots in general. So we have streamers that we follow where they will have I don't hundreds, I guess, thousands maybe at times bots who will fill up their chat, yeah. try to post links, take over because there's not a you know, it's not locked to get into or you you don't have to have a link to join. And then they'll take over and start promoting some trashy website. And so it's not as secure as it can be in the case of like these streamers and I'm talking about, they try to leave them open so that they can grow, you know, their platform. But on the other side, discord hasn't find found a way to deal with those problems yet. So yeah, it's yeah. just going to keep happening. I mean, this is, this kind of problem isn't restricted to these closed communities. It, it, we've heard about stuff like this in context of like Reddit and 4chan Twitch. and 8chan and yeah, Twitch getting like, you know, they get bots all the time. Yep. So just people abusing the internet is always going to be the case i think it's a little more difficult to manage in these closed server environments because yeah. they don't quite have the level well, of sophistication and that's my fear like when you're talking about these things like some of our smaller servers that we're in there might only be a couple hundred in some of these small streamers if that happens enough they'll probably just get rid of the discord and yeah. just say follow my twitter for mm-hmm. you know like and you don't want to lose that because they are really neat um you know places to share p- with people mm-hmm. but the other things aside from bots and all of those types of issues this means that public libraries won't have access to this stuff and so as we've talked about plenty of times before public libraries are one of the most essential places for those underserved populations because that's where they go to to get internet access to use devices Hmm. and so if you're someone who relies on a public library the chances of you having a discord or slack you know something like that to join to find what you're looking for is even more slim than just a google right. search so in terms of knowledge generation just at a very large scale these closed communities are kind of bad for maintaining a, a oh, public i never thought about how privileged thought. they were but yeah, they are yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and so some good things about websites and forums obviously yeah, stuff that's indexable on the yeah. web and Googleable and all that stuff. So all of those conversations exist to put in the archive or mm-hmm. to be kept more easily. Man, I do a lot of Googling, so it'd be hard to imagine a place where, you know what I mean, all of a sudden I'm just like, wait, that was just there. 
why why is it not just there anymore that's kind of what you're talking about though Mm -hmm. and so especially like i said for people that aren't on discord you know or any of these places where it is i mean i'm uh, sure there are things on the internet that you as a teacher use and reference over and over again Mm -hmm. year after year oh yeah and you don't even necessarily think that this link will stop working sometime i i do have a couple of links that every year i'm like oh dear god please work there was one i don't think it works anymore it was a link to it was for a learning activity for the crucible and you took a quiz and it walked you through this sad looking website this was like 10 years ago and so it decided at the end if you were a witch or not and my kids (laughs) loved it it got blocked and then i couldn't get it to load so i think it probably got the cord plugged and then another website a link specifically that i always use as a new york times article about what type of slang you use and where that puts you on the dialect map and every single year when i go to have my kids take that quiz i get scared that that's no longer going to be free and available to them because mm-hmm. the new york times will put up an ad wall or you know something yep i mean so i totally get it archiving it some other way further if, if you like the learning resource that's the kind of thing that you yeah. need to think about like i might have to help this... me with that yeah it's like but those are last? those are websites that every time i click i'm like dear god please be there mm-hmm. yeah i'm with you so we're all we're, we're already sort of talking about why this is a problem but i have a sort of funny story that to my mind it's a pre-internet story that illustrates the problem i think i i have an acquaintance who worked in has worked in nasa circles and worked on space program stuff and her group of us were out just like drinking once and we were telling stories and this person was talking about how it would be totally impossible to rebuild the saturn V rocket if we wanted to because We've lost so many schematics and so much information and so many records of how that piece of technology was built that we could not rebuild it if we wanted to. We'd have to start from scratch, which we probably could, but we could not just rebuild the Bring it out. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of like, that's sort of what we're talking about here. Again, those are like really early days of computers and like stuff like that. Mm. Like we could not. So, so the same sort of thing or the institutional knowledge that would allow us to do that is just gone. Mm-hmm. It's the same sort of thing that's happening to the internet. So we're going to have this weird black hole in our history books, especially about the early internet, like the well, really goofy pixel internet. And especially when you consider that, I mean, I'm, I'm running into this as I teach the Holocaust, right? Is that we're running out of survivors. Mm-hmm. The same thing is going to be true for those who worked at NASA to create right. the Saturn, you know, whatever First-hand it is. records of Yeah, like those are not, not going forever. to exist right. Right. forever. And so that's one more case where it's like, oh, it'd be nice if we found a journal or a diary or something. You right. know, like those are the things you hope for. <laughs> Part of what's contributing to all of this is that there's not a whole lot of awareness around the fact that anything bad is happening at all. Like you were saying, this is not something that you think about a whole mm-hmm. lot. And there's just not... In general, I don't think pub- the public of walking around thinking, oh, what if this thing I use every day ceases to exist? Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> you know, something disappears from the internet and people might be upset about it and really dedicated users mm-hmm. might have some sort of outcry about it. But in general, I don't think there's Imagine a whole lot of if knowledge. Ina Garden's Marg recipe just gone from True. the internet. Well, see, I copy-pasted that into my own uh, folder of information. You you knew it was coming. Well, yeah, because something might get paywalled. Like you said, something might, like a website might go down. Mm -hmm. My IP might get blocked for whatever reason. Like anything could happen. It's simple stuff, too, that I'll miss. Right, right. I'm with you. So it's just like, I mean, we just don't think about things like, we think about politicians and public figures dirty deleting bad Uh tweets or something. 
that's like kind of the most serious engagement that most people have with this problem. (laughs) But like Facebook is just going to stop existing someday. People don't really think about that on a regular basis, but there are a lot of people who only have a record of certain things, thoughts, photos, videos, conversations on Facebook. And like, really that's the only reason I still have Facebook is because of that that fact. So what you're talking about is like how Facebook could just not exist. Mm -hmm. I know a local family who recently lost a daughter after a a long medical, you know, born with an issue. And they they used Facebook as the way to document her entire life. Mm -hmm. And so I think all the time, like, I hope that this family is saving what they've written or that it existed in a doc and they copy and, you know, like, but it's exactly what you're talking about, like. God forbid someday Facebook locks itself out of it one more time. And this poor family has lost every memory yeah. of that child. You know, like, like those are the things that I think are like, and I would be devastated to lose my, my photos on Facebook. I should probably just back those up. Yeah, Facebook I'm does, doing this. does give you but, an option to save your user data, but most people don't know that that's even a thing they yeah. need to consider doing. But it's also, I mean, you know, if you're someone like me who's just like, it exists, it would just be, yeah. There's a lot of there are a lot of people who have lived a very different life on Facebook than I have. And that would be, you know. Yep. I think there's going to be a new industry popping up around. Are we going back to blogs? <laughs> yeah. Is real. it time? No, I was going to say around Mommy bloggers, <laughs> around helping uh, around helping people preserve their digital legacies after they die. Ooh. Like that's going to be a thing that is. Facebook does have that button, though. Yeah, Facebook... It can be in remembrance of Facebook or whatever. Facebook realized that they needed to be able to turn pages into memorial pages. I wish I figured I could figure out how to get into my dead uncle's Facebook. Yeah. Because I get stuff all the time. It's like, so-and-so like this, and it's my mm-hmm. uncle who died almost two years ago. Mm-hmm. hmm I don't like that. Yep. It's a little creepy. It's, it's upsetting. I think the main issue here is that our digital footprints are getting bigger and bigger and bigger mm-hmm. every day, and we're makes sense. risking losing our personal and cultural histories to the extent that we're becoming more and more online we're risking losing ourselves but do we need to save every meme you know yes we need to save like every someone meme. is backing up knowyourmeme.com right now that's important to me yeah so yeah. what's the solution i'll let you tell me huh. i'm interested well uh there are a couple of uh, we're gonna highlight a couple of initiatives and things here that are trying to solve part of these problems but I did want to mention up front that a lot of this is coming out of what I might call the piracy to digital archivist pipeline, <laughs> uh, meaning that a lot of internet-related preservation efforts maybe got started with some piracy-related really? undertones. Okay. Well, I mean, the law is not set up in a way to make this easy to to begin with. So, to save. To save digital media. So U.S. copyright in particular and DMCA, which is the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. Bad, right? bad. Digital Millennial Copyright. I think that's what it's called. DMCA. Basically, it's just like laws that are supposed to protect intellectual property that are actually probably not working for the public mm-hmm. like we might have thought. In any practical could. sort of way. I'm really not a fan of DMCA. Even though I am a fan of people being able to protect their IP, I'm not a fan of DMCA. But we'll get there. Do you want me to start with the first one? Yeah, yeah, sure. So this is just, there are people out there who are doing the good work of trying to archive little bits and pieces and corners of the internet for future 
you know, future generations. So there's like librarians and archivists and all kinds of people working. And there are also automated technologies. They're all working toward the I was preservation. Say, probably, yeah, preservation some bot the out there that's like just crawling the internet for this certain word. For and, sure. Yeah. This first one is a big one. Yeah. Why don't you why don't you tell okay. us about it? Okay, so the Internet Archive is a five oh one C three nonprofit and it is building a digital library of internet sites and all other kinds of cultural artifacts basically in digital form they do a lot of books so yeah i was reading about that so it's like a paper library but they also provide free access to researchers historians scholars um, the print disabled and the general public and they say that their mission is to provide universal access to all knowledge all knowledge i like that they're really lofty about it but that this is why it's like a pressing problem it's because we're talking about access to all knowledge yeah So um, here's a quote from their website about what they do and who they are. So it says, we began in 1996 by archiving the internet itself, a medium that was just beginning to grow in use. Like newspapers, the content published on the web was ephemeral. But unlike newspapers, no one was saving it. Today we have 25 plus years of web history accessible through the Wayback Machine, and we work with 750 plus libraries and other partners through our archive program to identify important web pages. And they are partnered with a ton of library associations. Yeah. So that... um, like I was thinking like of when I was in college or even my my students could access this information as a way to, to source it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But in there, through the Wayback Machine, if you go searching, you will find more than 588 billion web pages. Billion. That's 28 million books and texts. 14 million audio recordings, including 220,000 live concerts. Wow. 6 million videos, including 2 million te- or television news programs. 3.5 million images and 580,000 software programs. And that's just on um, the Internet Archive. Yeah. Can you imagine the, the Which amount? website is also beautiful. Can you imagine the server space required no. to power all it, this? It did just, talk about like petabytes the, yeah, of information. Yeah, it was interesting reading about how they do that. There's just a huge amount of information. I mean, and part of the problem that they're trying to solve is determining what is worth saving, which... It's totally in the eye of the beholder, Mm -hmm. because maybe this is the most important tweet of somebody's life, but also it's probably garbage, you know? Like, that's the the calculus. Well, and later I'm going to talk about Twitter's literally doing the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. So this is not unique, I should say, to this one, you know, to the Internet Archive, because as anyone who's, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you've been on the Internet long enough to know, it can be a real dumpster fire. Yeah. And does all of that deserve to be kept? Yeah. No, probably not. Yeah, I've used the Wayback Machine. Have you? Even to catalog my own history of personal websites because I like to keep track of how I've grown and changed mm. as a web developer over the years. Okay. And I, when I was just starting out, I had a website set up at my domain that I used no version control for, which basically means I had no lasting record of the code that made that website what it was. So I... <laughs> realized that and i realized also that it was not i mean the wayback machine is not automatically indexed every single it's just impossible to do that mm-hmm. every single page of the internet so i submitted my domain at some point to be indexed by the wayback machine oh, so it has cool. pictures of maybe like the third version of my website maybe something like that mm-hmm. um not just pictures some of it's like interactive html and stuff but um, I have a record of what my website used to look like, <laughs> the content that used to That's be on cool. there. 
at those snapshots in history. That's but neat. so it's useful for me as a, as a web developer to be able to know, okay, how has design evolved mm-hmm. over the, That's you know, true. since 1996 yeah. or whatever. Um, so it's a kind of a cool tool, but like you're saying, it's, it doesn't automatically, I, it, it'd just be too much data to try to capture the entire internet. It's so just, is it kind of like Pinterest, but for the internet? <laughs> I mean, I don't think Pinterest has an explicit purpose to archive old versions of things but but i'm just imagining like looking through it for ideas of what good websites look like i guess is what i was thinking yeah it doesn't curate though it's Uh, it's not a curatorial it's it's just an archiving yeah so you just go searching and searching and searching got it um another area that is very difficult to archive is we've been talking about Mm -hmm. gaming actually but video game the archiving of the history of video games and video game development it's kind of hard to understate the impact that video games have on the youth of today but also you know us i wouldn't consider us exactly be among the youth of today but we play a lot of video games and we're we're digital natives we grew up with with stuff some of my earliest memories of using computers are running ms dos video games so these things and especially from the early the early years of consoles and computers it's really (laughs) hard to preserve video games because not only do you have to preserve the software which means preserving a a lot of times source code and you know assets like art that it uses to run yeah, and manuals, game manuals, like how to run the video games, but you also have to preserve the systems that run those games. So, you know, your old Atari consoles or your Apple II. The Super or, Nintendo we got to run a right. couple years yep, ago. Yep, yep. We found an old Super Nintendo that we, thankfully, we figured out how to boot it up. But stuff like that, you have to preserve. It's, it's The difficulty is that you're preserving an experience. It's not just like... Mm-hmm. go take a picture of a website it's like okay we got the computer we got the, we got the mm-hmm. so- software we got the hardware we've got maybe uh those games have to talk to a server right you know to run you need, like a remote authentication kind of type thing there are a lot of pieces of video games that make them very very difficult to preserve and then also like i was talking about intellectual property issues and like dmca make most of the effort to preserve video games illegal so great yeah because you might steal the sound to duck hunt. I mean, you might. You just might. Nintendo is very protective of its IP this way. Yeah. Um, They'll kill people. Yep. It's like them in the Olympics. Probably. You're dumb. Probably. Flash is another really interesting one. I don't know if you grew up playing Flash games, but I grew up playing Flash games. And Flash is an Adobe... My yearbook ran on Flash yeah. until like two years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. So Flash... Do you not remember me bringing my laptop and being like, help? And I was like, um, you're going to have to find a different solution at some Literally point. Literally ran on Flash until Flash two years is ago. being deprecated. So Flash is this technology that was developed by Adobe that's this basically just this piece of technology that allows certain kinds of interactive uh, multimedia experience, experiences to function on the web. Mm-hmm. And Adobe said it was going to stop supporting Flash at a certain time. It might have even been the first of this year. And mm-hmm. then all the major web browsers also stopped supporting Flash. But there are thousands and thousands of games that were developed on to Flash. run with Flash, Flash and on Flash. And the second that that technology, that even just that little piece that makes the web work, uh, is deprecated, then you lose all of those experiences and like thousands and thousands of millions and billions of mm-hmm. hours worth of human effort just evaporated mm-hmm. so the internet archive actually has a, a collection of flash experiences <laughs> which i think is really great they've cre- you know created emulators to make these things run so um, like your raspberry pi 
yeah yeah my raspberry pi has a couple of different emulators but i mean the those things get tricky because even creating an emulator to run what they're, they're called brahms is mm-hmm. sometimes very tricky legal territory because if you don't own really? your original physical media that the game is on it's technically yeah. illegal to have a digital copy so of we it. just went through this we just got an email that was reminding us that we can't show videos to our students on a streaming device so i can't show my kids i don't know a movie on disney plus because it's a rebroadcast it's yeah because i only have that that seems like it would be fair use it's because of the amount of people that are consuming it based on what i agreed to when i said i was gonna watch it in my home or something like that So that's the rebroadcast rights but there there should be we got an email that said that we couldn't show anything off of a streaming device a streaming network or whatever unless we had paid for the individual title yeah so unless you buy the home so alone. for so for, yes i would have to, <laughs> to purchase show your it, kids right, right, right not show it on disney plus yeah yeah because you're rebroadcasting so that's the whole issue with like dmca but but again i'm not sure exactly where the provisions for fair use come in because usually there are exceptions made for educational purposes to some of these things well but maybe not that so i mean like the internet archive there are are nonprofits out there that are doing the work of trying to save the history of video games. There's one that's kind of like the Internet Archive called the Video Game History Foundation. They have a research library, they preserve source code, they educate the public, they archive media assets, so like, you know, sound, like you were talking about duck hunt sound effects and mm-hmm. like game art, um they archive that stuff. They get collections of notes from developers and industry people. And then they do recovery and restoration efforts, too. So, I mean, they're doing the good work of trying to make sure that the industry has a history, even, to talk about. But it is really hard to work around copyright laws. And to, yeah, this is like modern-day LimeWire and Napster kind of... I missed Napster. Napster was over. You're incriminating yourself on the podcast again. I just said I missed Napster. Like, I didn't use it. Like it was already dead oh, by the time. No, no, no. I mean, like it was already dead by the time that I got to know what it was. I thought you said I miss no, Napster. Like you used it. No. I yeah, I never, never used Napster. I was afraid. I, I was really afraid that the LimeWire. FBI was going to come beat down my door and yell at me for using That's Napster. So, so I never did it. Yeah. But LimeWire, you were like, no, I never used LimeWire oh, either. Okay. Yeah. No, I didn't pirate. I didn't pirate stuff. Okay, that was good of you. Yeah. Man, there's some weird versions of music on that thing. I still don't pirate stuff. I don't anymore. Yeah. I didn't understand that when I was doing LimeWire. I did not know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Peer-to-peer Whoops. file sharing. I don't know. Interesting stuff. Me and my dad used to get so mad because you know those downloads took oh, days. hours, hours and hours and hours. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I got a lot of half songs. A lot of half songs. <laughs> yep. Well, anyway, that's kind of the that's kind of the landscape. There's not a good foundation for people who are trying to do this work to do it i mean especially in the video game and digital media space there's just not Mm -hmm. the law works against public interest in this case because people so fiercely companies so fiercely try to protect their ip that it basically means things just disappear from the face of the earth yeah i have a lot of feelings about this i'm realizing yeah I know. It's, it's interesting, interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> As I was telling you, I was getting the notes ready and I was like, I'm getting myself yeah, worked up about the internet. Huffy. I didn't really know. <laughs> I was getting worked up no, about I'm the internet. Kind of I'm sitting with my arms crossed. Like, I know. Mm, yeah. Internet grandpa mad. Right. I know. That's how I feel. So there's all, you know. It's fascinating. It's all happening in the backdrop of things we talked about before, like free and open access to the internet. That is a problem in and of itself, making sure that 
I mean, you and I have both said that we think that internet access maybe should be treated like a right rather than a privilege yeah. because there's just so much knowledge. I mean, COVID has shown that to be yeah. the most yep. essential. You can't gather in a physical place anymore and your only connection to knowledge and to community and yeah. to everything happens Is via that? a digital screen. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, I'm being a bit dramatic about it, but it does well, illustrate the I point. I don't think you're that far off, though. Yeah. I mean, because also what goes along with that is not only it being a right, but also agreeing that even hard to reach areas are worth it. Like where I work, there are parts of that area that are very hard to reach and doesn't make them less deserving. Yeah. And I think that this has a lot of ramifications for education generally, too, because like we were talking about the resources, the things that you want to teach people. It's going to be at some point that that stuff, you know, we don't use physical textbooks anymore mm-hmm. at some point. At some point in the probably not distant future, that stuff is going to be all digital, right. which means that it's yeah. at risk of disappearing if we don't make an effort to preserve it somehow. I agree. So now I'm worried about it. Yeah. I so made you worry. We should all go back up all of our accounts everywhere, save our stuff. Yeah. The thing is, is like you can't even uh, reliably, you know, I use cloud file storage now so but we used to keep all of our files on our physical computer hard drives Mm -hmm. and the second a hard drive would fail you'd lose all your files so it's that it's that that's a microcosm of the problem that problem that could have destroyed your life if you lost every single file you ever had think about that except the entire internet that's what we're dealing with i'm really stressed yeah i'm sorry i stressed you out with this podcast episode i need a bigger flash drive any uh any final thoughts? I need a bigger Google no, Drive. I need a bigger Google Drive. <laughs> no, I just think it's... I like this topic. It's not something that I ever had a reason to consider. Well, I guess I should have. I just wasn't. I think all of us have a reason I mean, there are so many things if, to if worry about. If you are about. a consumer, then you have a reason to worry. Or to at least consider, like, where is my stuff? Where is it saved? And to also sort of behave in such a way that we know that it won't be there forever. Mm-hmm. Because R.I.P. Zynga... In my space. R.I.P. Zanga. In my top eight. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Ready to move on to fill in the blank? Yeah, why don't you start? Oh, why don't you do it? Because I I was the original asker of this question. So last episode's question. There are three U.S. states whose veteran populations exceed 1 million. California with 1.56 million, Texas with 1.46 million, and Florida with 1.44 million. And the states with the highest percentage of veterans are Alaska, Virginia, Montana, Wyoming, Hawaii, and Maine, all with around 10% of the adult population being veterans. These numbers still make up just a fraction of the country's veterans. Approximately how many veterans are currently living in the U.S.? 18.2 million from, this is 2019 data. 18. But 18.2 million. That's a lot. Yeah. Okay. This episode's question? Go for it. Co-founder and former CEO of Twitter. Uh, former. Just recently resigned. Big former. In case you didn't know, he resigned. Uh, Jack Dorsey was the first person ever to tweet. Uh, that tweet said, just setting up my Twitter, spelled T-W-T-T-R. I like that he got rid of the vowels. I I, I remember that they were trying to make that brand for a while. It kind of threw you for a second. You kind of did a... Well, do you remember... No, I was just... I was trying to read the sentence before. Oh, sorry. No, I... was trying to lead then with... Do you... I think I remember. This is... See, this is what the Wayback Machine would be good for, but I'm pretty sure that I remember the... One of the earlier Twitter logos, it was TWTTR in, like, this lowercase light blue bubble font. (gasps) Wow. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. So, okay. And I think it was one of those things. TWTTR. Which one was the real one? Uh And whatever. Uh The Mandela effect Mm -hmm. or whatever it's Mm -hmm. called. Maybe that's what's happening to me, but I actually remember that light blue color. Yeah, that light blue. 
Yes. Um, yeah. So that was the first tweet. It said just setting up my Twitter on March 21st, 2006. So this tweet from 2006 was sold as an NFT, a non-fungible token, which is kind of ridiculous fake internet. I thought you would like that. Thing. In 2021 to a Malaysian-based businessman. How much was that first ever tweet sold for at auction? So when we say that that person owns it, they just like print it off and... No, it's... I really... I don't think Like, do they get make... Jack Dorsey's login? Scroll it's back to one? Money. It's monopoly money and you don't even really own... Like, you don't own... A th- you own... So... The thing... A thing that... Is basically, you own bragging rights. You say... So that guy at a party is like... I own this tweet. Guess what? Yeah, that's pretty much Remember what Jack you're Dorsey? buying. You're I... buying the right not to be lying when you say, I own this tweet. That's what you're buying. So this guy... You're buying bragging the only rights. One yeah. Who can legally say that? Yep. And so that's it. the question. How much did it sell for? Okay. What did you learn? So what I learned, also a Twitter fact, if that's okay. Yeah, of course. So I had always been taught that the, like, one of the things <laughs> in a media class that I took in college was like, be careful what you tweet because you're saving every tweet. And I was like, ha ha ha, no, because that didn't seem possible to me. I had been taught that every tweet was saved by the Library of Congress, which was true until january 1st of 2018 when they stopped so they still save tweets but not every single one of them the reason basically too many stupid tweets imagine <laughs> um the library of congress that's what you're talking about yes they saved tweets yes got it so they do have from 2006 to 2017 stored but they now only store on a need to basis basically so they sort of as we were talking about pick and choose what they think is worth keeping in the library of congress so the other problem with this archive that was, you know, like what the Library of Col- Congress was collecting, the agreement with Twitter was only the text of the tweet. It didn't include a photo or a video or a link uh, that was included. So if you think about, so it's not even a perfect archive, you know uh-huh, what I mean? Like uh-huh. it's not a perfect history right. if we're to look at it right. because we don't have the visual clues that would say, oh, this tweet's about you know lady gaga or lady gaga (laughs) but you see what i mean like so essentially what i learned is that they were saving them all they haven't since january 1st of 2018 but they will if they deem it historically relevant something like that historically significant so one of the things though that was happening is after the january 6th they were there were appeals to twitter basically to get tweets from people who had been deleting them yeah. at the riots. It's basically like a manhunt they were happening. wiping, you know what right, I mean? Right, So I'm not saying that the Library of Congress saved those, but that's the type of event that I could see the Library of Congress saying, this is data we would like. Please advise, you know. So rest assured, most of our tweets are fine. They will not appear in the Library of Congress for our next run for Senate. But I've, I've got some I, apparently I have some tweets stored in the Library of Congress because I've had Twitter for quite oh a while. I've had Twitter since like 2009. <laughs> yeah, so see, I've had it for more than 10 years at this point, uh, maybe 11 or 12 years. I think I've had it. So. Yeah. So kind of a fun thing, just because I was always taught, you know, beware, uh-huh. Library of Congress is keeping it, and they were fun. But anyways, like I said, the problem was all along was that they didn't have the photo, video, or link. So it's still going to be a very odd thing. Interesting. Interesting. What about you? Okay, so this is something that I learned in the process of researching this episode, which I just thought was so weird and nerdy and cool that I wanted to share it. And I learned about something called the Million Dollar Homepage. 
So this, it still exists, milliondollarhomepage.com. It's beautiful. It is a whole site. <laughs> I will I will read from the wiki entry for this thing. The Million Dollar Homepage is a website conceived in 2005 by Alex Two. I think that's how you say his name. I don't know. But he's the Two. guy who runs, he runs the Calm meditation app now, apparently. But at the time he was a student, Wiltshire, England. He started this thing to raise money for his university education. And it was just a web page basically it consisted of a million pixels arranged in a 1000 by 1000 pixel grid the image-based links on it were sold for one dollar per pixel in 10 by 10 blocks which is kind of expensive now when you think of the bazillions of pixels that exist purchasers of these pixel blocks provided tiny tiny images to be displayed on them a url to which the images were linked and a slogan to be displayed when hovering a cursor over the link oh it's so bad the aim of the website was to sell all of the pixels in the image thus generating a million dollars of income for the creator wall street journals commented that site inspired other websites that sell pixels yeah this thing still exists most of those links are like naughty some of them probably are yeah well the other thing so here's the thing you can go visit this this we'll put the link in the show notes but you can go this is a really good example of exactly what we've just been talking the about. old internet the old internet disappearing because probably more than half i would guess of the links are just dead yeah um, i clicked on a few and they didn't go very far more of them now have been like a domain has been sold to somebody else so it redirects to something that had nothing to do with the original ad sale it's called link rot sometimes but it's it's just it, the the webpage itself is a very retro internet, you know. It feels like kind of like the late '90s, early 2000s internet. It's quite a work of art, but he still keeps it up as it a piece of internet SG's history. Vibes. Do you remember? Yeah, SG's? yeah. It does yeah. kind of feel like that that brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Liked it. Mm-hmm. Classic internet. Classic internet. So. All right. Any lasting thoughts? Uh, no. I think that that's it. I Make think- sure your cloud is up to date back up your back data. up your things that are decentralized on. that web yeah i think that's a, i think that's about it for now um anything else we're gonna see you again next, next year. year it's It'll gonna be, be 2022 go get that booster yeah if you haven't yeah we got a new variant coming um if you don't get boosted then get one and two of the first round if that's you Mm-hmm. enjoy Just, yourselves have a restful holiday yeah, season. take care of yourselves have some fun take some time for yourself maybe find ina garden's mark Mar- recipe Mar- yeah ina's mark if that's what you're looking and, for and download it and print it off and hang it on your wall probably so you frame it have a record yeah. um i would also consider maybe putting it in like a, a nice laminated a plastic sleeve yeah yeah it's in ours in our cookbook it is mm-hmm. as it should be mm-hmm. yeah just take care of yourselves i don't we don't really have any good tv shows we're back in the great british bake-off is where we are right that's, now uh, that's the mood we've been watching a lot of goofy holiday cooking christmas shows movies. holiday it, christmas oh yeah movies, sorry so. yeah but we haven't really been doing too much serious binging we've just been you know enjoying some tv trash which is what we love at this time of year so Go get your booster. Go get your flu shot. Maybe just wear your mask in really crowded places. Just, you know, because it's still gross. All of my kids are sick right now. Like yeah. bronchitis, just like everything's around. Tis the season. So, you know what I mean? Just like maybe do a little bit of that. Take care of yourselves. We'll um, see you have soon. Have a good time with family. We'll see you in 2022. Go Bucks. Bye.
listeners. Thanks for supporting 16 to 1. We're trying to grow our audience, so please check us out at 16to1.com, all spelled out, and tell your friends about the show. On our website, you can find links to follow us on social media, an archive of all our old episodes, and a contact form where you can get in touch. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next show. <laughs> I just incriminated myself on the podcast. I'll cut that part. Thank you. <laughs>